Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Life as a Nephrologist. I'm your host, Corey Cavanaugh, Assistant Professor of Nephrology at the University of Virginia. I'm happy to be joined now by the AJKD Editorial Internship class uh, of 2020. And uh, I'm happy because they'll, they'll be able to share, I think, with uh, the upcoming cohorts and future uh, uh, trainees on what uh, the AJKD editorial internship sort of looks like, and they can share their own experiences. So uh, these are the the future academicians and leaders of nephrology. So who better to ask than their opinion? So um, I'll let them introduce themselves. So Amy, take it away. Um, sure. Thanks, Corey. Um, my name is Amy. I am a second year nephrology fellow at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City. Um, I'm kind of from all over, born in the U.S. I um, did my undergraduate at Ohio University and then my medical school at The Ohio State University College of Medicine. Um, I did my residency with the Army, actually, so I did it at William Beaumont Army Medical Center in El Paso, Texas, and I served as a hospitalist or an internist for the U.S. Army for four years, and then I um, entered into the fellowship program at Mount Sinai. And then future goals and um, academically, you know, I, I'd like to stay in academic medicine. My real passion is with teaching and education, and so I've been really blessed to have um, plenty of opportunities to do that um, in my career so far. Great, great. A fellow Buckeye. I love it. Uh, Bethany, can you uh, uh, tell everyone where you're from and, and what you plan to do? Sure. So I'm a native Texan, but I live in Boston now. Um, I lived in Texas my whole life until I turned 18. Then I moved away to do undergrad at University of Georgia. Um, I took some time off after undergrad and worked as a dialysis technician for satellite healthcare. And um, then as a study coordinator for them as well. Um, and then ultimately realized I wanted to be a doctor. So um, I went to medical school at Texas A&M. I guess I should say before that, I was a study coordinator at Tufts Medical Center for their nephrology department as well. Um, so I did um, medical school at Texas A&M. And then I went back to Tufts for internal medicine residency, and I've stayed there as a fellow. I'm in my second year of fellowship now. Great, great. Uh, Harish, would you like to share? Yeah, thanks, Corey. So uh, like everybody else, I think I took a long road here. I um, am from a city in South India called Coimbatore. And then in India, uh, you know, we move cities for medical schools usually. So I moved uh, to a city called Chennai, where I did my med school. Um, and we go straight from high school to med school in India. So I went to med school at 17. And I think um, my very first introduction to nephrology, I kind of loved it back in second year of med school when you're like introduced to physiology. Um, and sort of the intrinsic logic of nephrology is what attracted to me. And Slowly, even when I chose my residency program, I went to a program which had a very strong nephrology program. So I went to Rochester General Hospital in Rochester, New York, um, and then finally ended up as Bethany City Mate. So I'm in Mass General in Boston. Um, I'm a third year now, and my role until very recently was heavily tilted towards clinical research. 
Uh, my primary interest is onconephrology, though I dabble in a couple of other areas as well. However, with the recent uh, COVID crisis, you know, I've had the opportunity and frankly, uh, the privilege to return to clinical work and I take care of a lot of patients now. Uh, but going forward, I think I'll be a clinician educator doing, um, you know, 60% clinical work, a little bit of research and teaching and uh, thereon. Great. Well, yeah, you've all have quite a unique path, uh, sort of spread out globally. Uh, and last but not least, Ryan. So I'm Ryan Sohani. I am a clinical lecturer and research fellow at the University of Michigan. I had uh, completed my medical school training at Ohio University Heritage College of Osteopathic Medicine, like Corey, and then went on to do my internal medicine training at Henry Ford Hospital in Detroit. Unlike most residency programs, we had a very uh, frequent exposure to nephrology in the nephrology division at uh, while at Henry Ford, and it became a very natural progression to go into nephrology. Uh, and uh, after my clinical training, I decided that um, I wanted to continue research training and uh, with a focus on clinical research in acute kidney injury and critical care nephrology. Wow. So putting this sort of all together, you all, uh, I think this is the second year of the AJKD editorial internship, and uh, it's pretty unique uh, from from my experience in fellowship. Uh, really, the editorial experience came down from, you know, maybe your attending wanted to work with you and had a paper to write, and so they would help you edit your paper or, you know... you paper they co-authored or something to that effect. So um, can you tell me and the audience sort of what uh, what the AJKD editorial internship uh, allows you to do that that you weren't expecting or or what is it what is it primarily role serving f- for you? So for me, I was primarily interested in the editorial internship because you know as I know that um, information is disseminated across many different platforms, and I wanted to see how a journal um, takes the information that it's given, um, processes it, and in terms of um, the kind of um, message that it wants to do to provide to future nephrologists in terms of shaping the future and like shaping the the literature landscape. So for me, I've been really interested in trying to understand kind of the thought process behind the different pieces that are going forward, what they feel like is um, useful information and not useful information, how it adds to the body of knowledge that we already have. Um, so I think that for me, that's been really um, insightful and um rewarding. So it's really, uh, I guess, I guess teaching you that, that you're as an editor, you're more or less responsible for the, the, the footprint of some studies where, uh, you have to be cognizant of, of the things that are going out there and you don't want the same processes running over and over and over right, again. Exactly. I get it. And anyone else have a have a shared experience? Or- yeah, I think it might be helpful to take a step back and kind of talk about how the editorial internship is structured. Because for me going into it, I had no idea how how this would work and what exactly we would be doing. Uh, 
And essentially what we do is we meet twice a month uh, via um, telephone conference and we have materials ahead of time to review at our own leisure. And the calls have actually included many different topics, including what is the role of the reviewer, how to be a good reviewer, what is the role of the editorial team and conflicts of interest, to even having calls where we do our own mock uh, uh, editorial board meetings, where we each have an article that uh, we were the handling editor and we get uh, do our own reviews and receive uh, uh, outside reviews. And we actually bring those to the editorial meeting and make our own decisions on whether we think that a a manuscript is acceptable for publication, uh, whether we think it needs major revisions, or or whether we don't think that it's actually appropriate for the journal. And I think that's those calls have probably been where I've learned the most and and learned the most about the the editorial process itself. I see. I see. So, say how how many calls would you typically do in a month? Uh, two two per month. It's uh, about every other week. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And so you're sort of editing on how to edit. We're learning how to review. Uh, We're learning the rules of the editor as well as uh, several of of the features of the journal itself and and other very important topics like conflict of interest. I see. And I think on top of that, too, we're learning the challenges that the editors have as well when it comes to like ethics in terms of uh, editorial ethics. Yeah, I'll chime in a bit too. I think the behind the scenes workings of a journal, I think are really fascinating to anybody who writes a manuscript or consumes a manuscript, you know, in terms of what's the philosophy of the journal, what the editors look for, and what is their process. I think each of the editors, including the leadership and all of the associate editors, they have their own processes to how to bring a particular manuscript to the finish line. And in the editorial meetings, each has a way of presenting things. And of course, as Amy mentioned, the ethical and the moral conundrums and their personal take on things. I think you learn a lot about what happens from a journal's and an editor's point of view rather than a author's or a reader's point of view. And it's all kept, you know, everything is done keeping in mind the reader's perspective. Would this be useful to the clinician or would this be useful to the researcher? I think that is what uh, plays on significantly when they look at each of these manuscripts. And I think it's really nice to see a manuscript from the start to finish line in terms of uh, how people handle it. Yeah, I'll add on to um, what Harish said. You know, to me, kind of what happened behind the scenes um, with the editorial board was a bit of a black box. And I hope to go into clinical research. So I really wanted to learn more about that process. Um, And I think one thing that's been really striking to me is that, um, you know, I kind of just saw it as you submit a paper to a journal, either they accept it or reject it. But we also have the opportunity to actually sit in on the like live editorial board meetings and hear the different editors discuss the articles that have been reviewed. And you can tell they really, um, you know, try to help shape these manuscripts um, into something that really fits with the mission of the journal, something that, you know, is valid um, and beneficial to the nephrology community. Um, they're not like out to just reject every article. They, You can tell they really want to work with the authors to make a good publication. 
It's, it's interesting. Our, our last episode was with uh, some of you might know, Dr. Dan Wiener, who uh, it was, we were talking about uh, how even nephrology, which, I mean, the, we're, we're somewhat lacking in terms of our RCT data compared to other specialties, but he even remarked how there's so many good studies out there that, that just they, they can't necessarily publish like they would want and so it, this sort of surprised me uh, as, a, as a novice attending that, you know, I, you might assume that, uh, that sort of everything uh, sort of gets published if it's worthwhile, but uh, that's not even the case. It, it's sort of bottlenecks still by, by we still need someone to publish this. So that's interesting. So, so taking all of the everything into account, you know, this is a year long internship, um, you guys, uh, sounds like you met uh, a couple times a month, more or less. Was there anything sort of unexpected that you learned or something you, you will take away uh, from this whole process that, that you really wish uh, other people would know beyond what, what we've already discussed? One of the most important points that it came up repeatedly was how the editorial process is really meant to make a manuscript better. Um, There's really a lot of time invested by reviewers, the editorial board, uh, including even a a stats editor, as well as the author themselves. And it's important that we continue having uh, high quality uh, editorial processes. Great. So, so, um, you know, the, I, I'm happy to hear the, the ethics are really addressed and the conflicts of interest. Uh, you know, there's, you know, we're not, we're not free of that. Just being academics, we certainly have to be cognizant of that as well, although we might not have a financial interest. But the, what also interests me is the, you know, you're all on some way, shape or form going to be educators or clinical investigators. Um, do you, do you see this, uh, you know, being a necessity in a sense for if those future learners out there that want to go into clinical investigation? Is this something you, you strongly recommend for them or what can they do in lieu of this? Not everybody can be in the internship. Um, I don't think that this is necessarily a, a requirement for um, investigators. I think that there's a lot of information that's out there and if you get good mentorship that you um, may be able to get a lot of this information um, that way. But again, it's the mentorship that you would get is more on the author side rather than on the editorial side. But there's definitely a lot of publications that are out there that speak about the editor's point of view, um, which I think are helpful. I'm assuming um, the others have some other opinions about this. I'll add two points to that. I think... um... One of them is that um, everybody's opinion is sort of informed by their own experience. And I think it's important to look at where the journal is coming from or the, where the editors or the priority viewers are coming from. And you should not take that criticism or whatever review comes back as something personal. I think it's all meant to better the manuscript itself. And I think it's important to separate that from our own personal feelings. So my advice would be to just keep aside the reviews after you've read it for a week or two before you actually work on it. Um, and that way you kind of separate it and you just work on thinking about making your manuscript better, which I think works well for me and perhaps for others. 
And um, the other point I wanted to make was um, sometimes I think um, when you look at uh, how things are done, you always want to see what the philosophy of the journal is. Uh, meaning if a journalist published multiple manuscripts on the same topic in the last year, I don't think that that journal would be looking for another manuscript in the same space. So I think it's important to see what the journal has published and what they would want to publish and what might be useful to the clinician or the researcher at that particular point in time, rather than publishing something for publishing sake. I'm sure there are other spaces. So if one journal has published a lot on one theme, perhaps there's another journal that publishes better on another theme. So I think you just have to sort of separate your own biases when it comes to choosing a journal or, you know, choosing how to write your review or your revised manuscript. Yeah, to your first point, um having only written a handful of articles and, and received reviews, it's, you know, it's, it can be hard to sort of digest and take their criticisms or critiques. Uh, but, but I think you're spot on or is she, <laughs> sometimes you just got to put it down and, and digest and chew on it for a little bit before you take it to heart because your initial response can not always be beneficial. And I'll add one more thing that I just remembered, which was, you know, this is something that I didn't know going in that, you know, the editors actually mentioned to me, like, there's a lot of times when you get back your peer reviews, and you're like, I really don't understand what the stats reviewer, reviewer is telling me, or I really don't understand what the associate editor wants with this particular point. And we always think that when we actually submit the manuscript, there's only like one final version that we submit. But there's also a lot, lots of opportunities to have some back and forth with the editors or the um, or the statisticians in, at the journal asking, hey, I know you said this, but can you please explain a little bit more to me? Or can we talk on a phone call? Um, you know, and I don't think that happens quite often. And I, I didn't know that was even allowed. Um, for me, I thought that was something that was uh, not allowed or not ethical or something like that when I, before I started. But now I understand that, you know, you if in order to understand terms better, you can always have a back and forth with the editors or the statisticians. Yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, certainly just looking uh, at your all's experience, that has to be a huge, you know, pulling the curtain back and sort of seeing how it's conducted. And I imagine it gives you the confidence and the tools to to execute your, your writing and editing even more efficiently. So, um, you know, with that, would, would you guys... Uh, uh, advise this to, to anyone and everyone going forward? Or, or how would you, uh, uh, you know, if you, if you interacted with your third year internal medicine resident or, or first year fellow, what would, you, uh, what would you say to them in terms of your experience and time commitment and, and uh, what they hope to glean out of it? I think this could be beneficial to anyone who wants to remain in academic medicine, whether that means that they want to uh, you know, go toward a K award and be doing their own clinical research versus um, being in more of a clinician educator track. Uh, there were other opportunities during the internship to engage uh, the medical education audience uh, through Neck Madness uh, writing. We all actually had the opportunity to uh, write one of the regions for Neff Madness, and others uh, also had the opportunity to uh, engage in podcasts regarding uh, those regions. And these are opportunities that we probably would not have had had we not been involved in the AJKD internship. 
Yeah, I agree with Ryan. I, I've recommended this to um, all the other nephrology fellows at Tufts. Um, in terms of a time commitment, you know, I'm, I'm currently in my second year of my clinical research year for fellowship, and I, I definitely think it's doable. Um, I think Amy could probably speak more about um, the time commitment if you're in your clinical year, but um, I haven't felt any sort of um, stress or time crunch from it, and it's been a lot of fun. We've also gotten to work on other projects at the journal that um, you wouldn't really necessarily think about if you weren't doing an internship like this. So um, we've gotten to help um, pick out the cover images for the journal. Um, we've also gotten to develop visual abstracts for some of the accepted manuscripts, and that's been a lot of fun too. Yeah, I think um, I would definitely recommend this to anybody. Um, I am hoping to kind of go more into a clinician educator role. And my second year of um, nephrology fellowship, we, you know, I've had to miss probably um, a, f a fair number of calls just due to rounding and clinical rotations. But um, the the editorial staff has been very understanding and accommodating. And, you know, I still have access to all the materials. So I, I would not, I wouldn't, not apply just because you're worried about the time commitment. Um, I think that I feel incredibly supported by the editorial staff. They they seem to really care about us as individuals, which, um, you know, I, I've only met them face-to-face -face once at, um, at ASN. And so, you know, I really appreciate all the time and the effort that they give to us because I know it's time out of their normal day-to-day -day duties. I, I just wanted to do add on to that, that, you know, I think the leadership have Jeff, Laura, and the associate editors, I think they were all fantastic. And they're so enthusiastic and experienced yet, you know, they sort of have so much humility when they come, when it comes to like sharing their personal opinions and takes on things. Um, and I think I've learned a lot by bouncing opinions back and forth with them, as well as with Bethany, Ryan and Amy, which I think really makes me when I look when I write, as well as read uh, about an article, I always think about, hey, what would they think? Or, you know, how can I write this better? I think that sort of influences your thought process a lot. Um, I think it's a fascinating look into the workings of a journal. So I highly encourage a lot of people to apply. Um, and I think you'll get a lot out of it for your, for the time that you put in. And it's, you know, as Bethany was mentioning, it's not just the editorial meetings. It's you get to work on a visual abstract. You get to present stuff. You get to have debates. I think there's a lot of things that go on behind. And each of these calls are, you know, very fascinating, very well coordinated by Alina and the other coordinators. And I think it's it's fantastic. Great. Well, I got to thank all of you uh, in this time of COVID. You're all from very busy cities and, and locales. And I, I truly appreciate you sharing your experience with the internship and, uh, and, and to the folks coming up uh, listening. Uh, those Submit those applications to join the AJKD editorial internship. Uh, it, it sounds like a heck of an experience. And, you know, we could really benefit from from all of us could benefit from uh, understanding a bit more about the editorial experience and understanding our audience and understanding sort of how the sausage is made. So I, I truly appreciate y'all's time. And um, uh, with that, uh, stay safe out there, wash hands and all that good stuff. But uh, thank you for your time. Thanks, Corey. Great. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks.